Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode of the A-List podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag and Indeed.com. Welcome again to another week of the A-List podcast. I'm your co-host, Kwani, with A. Sherrod Blakely and Gary Washburn, as usual. How are you two doing? Wonderful host. Host, host. <laughs> co-host. Do you call it co-host when there are three people? Yes. Oh, that's whack. They should have a new title for that. Give it a new, give Kwani, let's just make it, create a new word day. Kwani, you up first. Tri-host. Like T-R-I host. I'm, I'm going with Gary Washburn's face on this one and say that's, that's a no-go. This is not my best work. Under the pressure. Gary, what do you want? Um, I don't really have a new word today. Just, you know, nah, I don't got, I have any new words. Gary the Wordsmith, maybe? Uh, yeah, I, I, I ain't got nothing, man. Okay, so my answer is better than all y'all's then. At least I had an answer. Quantum loopyisms. That's my new word. Right. Saying, making up words that don't make a damn but make up- nobody but yeah. a quantum loopyism. All right, fine, whatever. Let's get to the Celtics. They're continuing to win as per usual. They're looking pretty good. They're the league best 20 and five record right now. The best 25 games start since 2018. What do you think of, what do you make of this team? I feel like we talk about this every week. You, you can't criticize the, the good, but what, what do you have to say? Well, we, we, we talk about them every week because they're finding different ways to beat teams. I mean, for the longest, they were just simply out shooting teams, just knocking down shot after shot. But lately they're showing a little bit of that defensive edge that I thought we would see more of at this point in the season as they kind of figured out who they are and what they can do. But they're again, this Celtics team is understanding that at the end of the day, it's about how it's about getting wins, stacking them win chips. And they're doing that in a lot of different ways. And that I think is what makes them a very difficult team as we continue to go forward uh, because they don't really have one or two things you can take away and expect to beat them. Uh, you, you try to limit Jason Tatum and force him to make ter- more turnovers. Jalen Brown hits you for 30, 35. If you force Jalen to, you know, not do some of the things he likes to do. Tatum can hurt you. Grant Williams can hurt you. You know, Blake Griffin, can, they can dust the mothballs off of Blake Griffin. And he, can, he can start right. now and yeah. do well. <laughs> so they're, they're, I mean, they're making it very difficult for teams to figure out a game plan on how to stop them. Yeah, I think uh, they're playing just good basketball and doing exactly what they want to do at the beginning of the season is get off to a fast start. And I don't think we can overplay the significance of winning at Brooklyn and at Toronto. Like 
you know, they haven't had great luck at Brooklyn. Now they swept them. I'm talking about before then. You know, Brooklyn's a tough team. Brooklyn's a, a good team at home in terms of you got two superstars in Katie and Kyrie. Um, and they pretty much handled them. They led for the last, you know, two and a half quarters and kind of kept pushing them back and held them 92 points. And then, you know, Toronto coming off, uh, had a day off and they're very physical. And it looked like, you know, I think it was like 64, 54, something like that. And like, okay, this is going to be one of them games where the Celtics just kind of get blown away. Like maybe the two games in Chicago, but they kind of held their own. They cut it to six by halftime. Yeah, I think it was like 54, 44, something like that. Then it was 62, 56 at halftime. And then just punched them repeatedly in the third quarter and took control. And that's a good Toronto team, not a great team. You know, I think they'll be a lot better in April when they get healthy. But that's a good club playing at home, all that. You no. Know, and and, and it, it was cool for Jason and Jalen Shaw to get in front of Kaepernick. Kaepernick was at the game. So, um, I thought two impressive wins, especially the one in Toronto on a back-to-back without Brogdon, without Horford, Blake Griffin playing 32 minutes, the most he's played, the most he's played in a regular season game since his last game with the Pistons. Um, once upon a time where, you know, before he asked, when he asked for the buyout and, and left Sherrod's favorite town, um, you know, so that's two, two plus years ago. And Blake said he was okay. I thought, they really wanted to keep him about 20, 20, 22, 23 minutes, but he kept playing and he finished the game. So, and he said something very important. He said he's getting healthier. Like he said, he's, it took him a while to get his leg right for him to get, get basket. So, so this is a good thing that they can push him. I'm not saying they're going to play him 35 minutes. Now he might not play for another week, but the fact that he played almost 30, you know, 33 minutes, um, I think is a huge sign that they, that he's oh, he's getting better because I just remember that game in Detroit a couple of weeks ago where he played 18 minutes in the first half and he had no mode in the tank for that second half. So obviously he's getting in better shape. Obviously he's in great shape, but obviously, as you guys know, there's a difference between shape at the gym and shape on the basketball court. That's two totally different things. So it looks like a good sign for the Celtics is, is Blake has his legs under him now, which is very important for a guy with leg problems. And I was just thoroughly impressed with the way they were able to win. Now they a little hairy in the end. They could have pulled, they could have made some more plays toward the end and they, they got a little sloppy um, and Toronto made it interesting, but two wins against two division opponents, two teams that were shooting for them. That was like, okay, that's the Celtics are on the schedule. Let's get them. And the Celtics still came out. Um, and got two dubs. I well, I was impressed. And I, I know we we you know I mean obviously it wasn't the most recent game, but I wanted to just go back real quick and and just kind of look at that Brooklyn game and and really liking on what that game meant because to me that game felt very much like almost a passing of the guard, if you will, uh, with Jason and Jalen showing that they're not just really good young players, as Kyrie liked to refer to them often as. No, they're really good players that can not only compete with you, they can go into your building and embarrass you. I mean, there were moments in that game where Jason and Jalen had had just moments with, with Kevin Durant where Kevin Durant, for one of the few times, looked old. I mean, when he lost control of the one-time ball and Jalen is coming from the blind side, they had equal opportunity to get to that loose ball. 
And Jalen got the ball, dribbled down court, slammed up. And then later on, Tatum did pretty much damn near the same thing. And Kyrie, you got Peyton Pritchard, the other number 11, giving you the business. I mean, like, ISOing. <laughs> Hitting you with the hizzy. Raising up. Do, do that again. Gary, that's, that's the sound that happens when you break somebody's ankle. Now, clearly, the podcast is officially gone off the rails. Thing. What's that? The podcast has officially gone off the rails. That is. Sharad is God sham God. <laughs> that is what Kyrie is used to doing to other people. Boy, True. That is what it was done to Kyrie, and we don't see that happen often. And you, you don't got Tatum doing that. You don't got Jalen. You got Peyton Pritchard doing that to you. That that game felt so much like this is a team that we thought was going to be great in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. They've had this, that, and the other happen to them. And now, not only have the Celtics come up and shown that they're ready to, to take the mantle, but they're not even, like, going to let you compete with them. They're not even going to let you, like, even sniff the crown. It felt like this was the beginning of the Celtics just pulling away from Brooklyn, who we don't know what they're going to do at the end of the season. We don't even know what they're going to do in season. I mean, I think Kevin Durant's going to be there till the end of the season. I think we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. But I, don't, I wouldn't be shocked if Brooklyn goes into a funk and decides, you know what? Let's just get out when we can get out. We can get like three, four first-round picks for Kevin Durant mm-hmm. and keep it moving because he ain't going to want to be here after this because it's not going to get better. Uh, this situation will not get any better than it is now, and that's that's a problem. But more than anything else, it felt as though that game was the Celtics' way of saying, we here, we ain't going nowhere, and I don't give a damn what you say, Kyrie. We're better than y'all. We are better than y'all. The young boys have come up. The come up is here. It's not about the come up no more. It's the we here. There is no come up anymore. Okay. So, is officially yeah, over. Okay, Sherrod. <laughs> I got you. The Celtics clearly have been coming up this season, but another that's thing. The word have, of the day, come up. That's his word. I'm talking like an uncle. Website. <laughs> Uncle at the cookout. Well, who noticed? Who noticed? And it was dear to my heart when Jalen said after the Brooklyn game, as soon as we, he said it was on and cracking. I was like, that's right. Something, something in my generation. He was like, it's on and cracking. I was like, youngsters don't know what that means. What you know he about said, that? He, after the Brooklyn game, he said it was on and cracking. Oh my God. I was like, yes, you've learned something, my son. On and cracking. Anyway, when he said that, I was like, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thank you, Jalen. Thank you for that one. Shout out to Uh, Jalen's grandfather. Because that's something I can see Jalen's grandpa telling him. I can absolutely see that. Holy cracking. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Kwani. No, we've talked about the success of this team so far. On Tuesday, the NBA actually announced that Maurice Podoloff Trophy, that's going to be the trophy named after the first commissioner of the NBA, that will be awarded to the team with the best record in the 82-game season. Seems like the Celtics are on track to do that, but do you both think that they could possibly win the inaugural trophy? What do you think, Gary? Well, one, I think the NBA is really trying to do the soccer shit. Excuse my language, like the best, the best, the best regular season record. Like, really, like we're doing participation. Oh, trophy. Yeah. We're doing the participation, participation trophy. I mean, very nice. Where do you put that trophy in your case, Sherrod, if you lose the first round of playoffs? Where, where exactly does that go? That's a good point. Where does that go? 
Where do you, where do the Celtics put? Do they put a banner up? Best regular season record? Like, yeah, you know where the Colts did it. The Colts have the AFC finalist banner, so I guess that's wow. what it that's is. Gary, I'll tell you where it goes. It goes on eBay. Yeah, and you use that money to give to it to charity. charity. Go to the Shamrock Foundation. To the Shamrock Foundation. <laughs> exactly. Shout out to the Shamrock Foundation. Shout out to the Shamrock Foundation. Shout out. Throw some of that money to the Juice Foundation too. Joe, those are, shout out to the those, Juice Foundation. Foundation. Juice Foundation. Absolutely, we gonna talk about that. <laughs> but to me, I Don't mean, young game chamber. Come on now, yeah, Marcus, yeah, Marcus is saying, yep, yep, all of them, all of them. See what you started. Going. I started. I started. Young game changers, Juice Foundation. I mean. I just don't know what to say about these things. I wish they, I wish the NBA would ask the players what they think about some of these things like the play-in tournament and now the regular season award. This is not soccer. Like, I just think that I get it. Like soccer is the dominant sport in the world and all these things. It's just like, if that, if you're going to do that, then you know what? Drop the Orlando magic to the G league and bring up the best G league team, bring up the real grande Vipers and put them like, if that's what we're doing, we're not doing that. Like the whole best regular season record is real nice, but what it's like, you know, the MVP, you have the MVP, like best, the best team of the regular season, the Boston Celtics. But they didn't win the actual season. Yeah, but you ain't won the chip. The best team was the one who won a championship. So I don't agree with it. I just think we're doing too much awards. We got the Eastern Conference, uh, uh, you know, the Bob Cousy Award. We got all these awards. The, the NBA started to give out a lot of awards. You know, what, what are we going to do that? The, the best first half of the season? Like, you know, like, what are we first doing here? MVP? Yeah, best, exactly. best uniforms all season. Yeah, the best uniforms. Best like, what are we doing? <laughs> best, highest attendance. Oh, be, what, what are we doing? Like, let's just play like ball, 82 games, and go for the championship. And then the one who wins, how, how about this? The one who wins the championship gets a trophy. Ooh, that's new. That's innovative. Yes. I like that. No second place trophy. If, if we're going to do that, we're going to do that. Let's have... A third place. Let's have a third place series between the loser of the Eastern Conference Final, loser of the West Conference Finals. If we're gonna be like soccer, let's do like the World Cup has got a third place game. If we're gonna do this, let's have a third place game. Let's you know. So the, so the, let's do that. So last year the Heat would have played the, the, the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Like let's have a seven game series. I mean, if, if we're gonna be like soccer, like this is a soccer. This is NBA man, NBA ball. This ain't no regular season record. <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, I'm sorry. This is just too much. Stop it, NBA. Stop it. Stop giving awards out. You know, it's too much. You're giving enough awards. Everybody, you get an award. <laughs> Let's have Oprah present them. You get an award. You get an award. Jason Tatum, player of the month. Play the first half. Play, like, you know. Like it just takes away the, the the value of the playoffs or whatever. You now we're trying to emphasize the regular season where half these do half these teams are using load management, taking taking games off. The day after Milwaukee lost to the Lakers, they rested three: Drew Holiday, Giannis, and um, and freaking Middleton. Sorry for the next game at Charlotte. Like th- th- we're putting value on that. Nah, 
Gary, here's Please, what I, Gary, I, I, I think you, you, you touched on why they do it and you don't like it, obviously, but they do it, Gary, because they're trying to create engagement at a time when there isn't that much engagement. And yes, Kwani, it is about money, the cheddar. Money is always so, involved in these things. You, I mean, think about it. If you are an agent and you know you've got damn near 17 different regular season awards, you don't think yeah. you're going to find a way to work that into the contract where if your boy wins one of these point. awards, he's going to get an extra check here, an extra check there? Hell yeah! And you don't think that the NBA isn't thinking that, you know what? We got all this little management going on. We got to give people a reason to tune into these damn games. You know, we and and added incentive beyond just the fact that you love NBA and that you love basketball. You got to give people something that keeps them enthralled. And no disrespect, Gary, but the soccer, they kind of got a good thing going on uh, as far as fan engagement. When you look at the arenas, you look at the, the, the amount of attention that they get. If you're the NBA, you got to be feeling the green with envy. We know what, what soccer what? does. Soccer is like calculus. You don't understand. No, what I mean by that is, is that if I look on a, a, a game, is this a playoff game, a division game? They got regulars, warm-up matches, freaking exhibitions. Like you're looking and it's just like, okay, when, when the hell is a championship? Because every time I look up in a damn soccer game between Arsenal and like, when is the finals? When y'all off season, bro? You know, to what's going on. You like, have I, to be an engaged fan. That's I'm not engaged and I ain't, and it's too hard for me to study. Okay, so this is a really important, but the really important game is this, but this is still kind of important. No, no, yeah, man. Gary had an Gary. agenda to hate on soccer today. I know. I'm just not, no, I'm, I'm watching the World Cup. I, I, I oh, so you watch it every two years. Nice. Who you rolling for? Every four years. Every four years, I watch the World Cup. Oh, Who's your country? <laughs> Who's your country? Uh, U.S. Fool. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, I I don't know. U.S. Fool. And I didn't know. So you got to root for somebody else. <laughs> no, I got that's what you roll with. Yeah, Cameroon. Um, they beat Morocco. out their colonizer. They beat their colonizer on Tuesday. So Morocco. Morocco's an African country. Yeah. People don't really consider Morocco an African country, but Morocco is in Africa. Mm-hmm. So let's go, you know, if we're gonna do that. Oh, out there on the West Coast. Brazil. Brazil. I want to see Brazil play Argentina. When I went to cover the Olympics, I just learned like that is like Yankees red side. That is, yeah, that is. is. Yeah. I remember being at a Brazil Argentina basketball game. And the Argentinians traveled from Argentina all the really? way. Yeah, they, that's where they came from. Argentina came from Argentina. Argentina's traveled. <laughs> yep. That's craziness. Well, they, they, jumped the, they jumped in the minivan or something and drove from Buenos Aires to Rio. And they got a whole section high in the stands and was chanting like all these chants in Portuguese or yeah. sorry, Spanish. And the lady next to me was a Brazilian, and I asked, I said, what are they chanting? And she started laughing, she's like, I can't repeat it. Like, it was some, it was like, it was vulgar. Wow. It okay. was like war, because they just took what happened in soccer. So I want to see Brazil against Argentina. I don't know if they're in the same bracket. I got to look at my, I got to home look at my brackets, but um, I want to see those two play for the championship or the semis or whatever. But Gary, that's part of the that's part of the appeal. Why, if you're the NBA, you want to stamp sample stuff that they do because you want to create that engagement. You want to create that excitement. With, I agree you with having a World Cup. You want the NBA in many ways to look like soccer. I agree with soccer the World Cup idea. I agree with the World Cup idea in basketball. 
like every other off year from the Olympics, like, you know, the Olympics will be 24, World Cup will be in 26. I agree with that. I think you can kind of mimic the soccer World Cup with basketball World Cup, but this whole, like, let's make the NBA like Serie A or uh, the, the Champions League. No, no. Well, I can't. I can't watch a match on TV. This is a big match. Well, when, is it a title? No. Is it playoffs? No. Is it arch rivalry? No. But if they win, they win this cup, which doesn't really mean a championship, but it's some kind of champions cup. And then they go to the next round, and then that's what it really counts. Like, no, I, I'm confused. Like, but, my head. But, but, but Gary, don't we see that play out in the NBA when, like, the top team, like, let's say when the Celtics are playing Golden State, it's a regular season game, but it's still a pretty big deal. You're not going to win a championship, but you're going to have the feel of you as though you've accomplished something significant. It's entertaining for December, yes, but we all know there's a regular season and then there's playoffs. You in soccer, you know that in soccer? maybe intersecting, maybe, you know, maybe like I'll be confused, see, man. I, I, see, this is the thing. I, I'm going to give them more credit than you're willing to give them because I think that they're educated on their sport to where they can discern between when this is an important game. I'm not educated in soccer. You're going to get this little mini cup. But the real chip that we're waiting for is going to be down the road. I think that they're, I think that fan base has the ability to discern when the game is significant in terms of value and when it's just a pretty good game that we should probably pay attention to. I don't think it's that different than the NBA, but if I'm the NBA, you damn right I'm going to try to steal what they're doing because it's what they're soccer, doing man. is absolutely paying off when you watch them play, when you watch the fan engagement. Everything about soccer is on a bigger, larger scale than the NBA. If we're being honest and real about yeah. it. And that doesn't mean their game is better than the NBA. It just means that their fan engagement is on a much more global scale. This is a worldwide sport. Basketball, basketball is trying to become a worldwide sport. Like yeah. soccer, is, everybody plays soccer. Everybody don't play basketball. Right. Like, you know, the, 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 the NBA is doing, trying to do great things to develop basketball in China and in India and in uh, Africa, you know, which is a continent, not a country, obviously. Uh, but African countries, like the NBA is trying to develop to be uh, at that level. But like, I understand, I understand. I'm just confused. Like I need like a, I need like a introductory, like international soccer for dummies. Like this is, I know the teams, but you know, when do they, when does the game really mean something? Like, and, and when's the championship game? When can I watch that? You know, what time is that game? That's all. Well, someone gets Gary some lessons on soccer, also known as football around the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm gonna connect you with my dude Drake Hills. He he gonna oh, yes. help you out. Yes, I know him. MLS reporter. Right. Okay. I know you talking about I know him. There That's we my go. Dude. He gonna get you right. He got me right. He's gonna get you right too. Okay. All right. Well, we've talked about all of the sports already. We have the soccer hater over here. Of course, the World Cup is in session right now right. at NBA season. I know. I'm just going to still call you that, though. Don't put that out there. <laughs> the NBA that season, as we know, has been underway. And BetOnline remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. And as your continued source for sports wavering information, BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on your favorite sport. So if you do like soccer, go ahead and do so. Of course, there's also the NBA, like we mentioned, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. That's 
code, all you need to use is CLNS50. Once again, that's a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. All you have to do is use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the games start. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. We talked about the Juice Foundation. So I guess it's time for the Jalen Brown segment of the podcast. Finally. There we go. Okay, first of all, we'll start off the court because Sherrod was not in attendance at the second annual Juice Gala at the Museum of Fine Arts. Why weren't you there? Because I was doing what I do most nights this time of year, raise some damn papers from college students. Okay, trying, that's Trying fine. to get them right. <laughs> All right. Like Corny Lunas not that long ago. <laughs> that's true. All right, that's so, acceptable. There you go. There you Gary, go. Gary, you were there with me. What was your favorite part about the gala? Uh, Blake Griffin is the host. He's a very funny He's guy. And uh, I just like the camaraderie. I like that everybody from the team showed up, even three players from the Heat, mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry, Victor Oladipo, and Jimmy Butler showed and, yep. and, and, and showed. And then uh, Jalen invited, you know, and Jean McGuire, the 91-year-old woman, the civil rights activist, the woman who um, invented and created Metco and a Boston fixture. She was, was there and said a few words. And I think it's awesome that Jalen um, – has bonded with her, invited her to his. He went, he visited her house um, a couple of weeks ago and took some photos and all that and, and talked to her for, you said, an hour and a half or so. And she, and she came out and she, boy, she's a lively woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was 91 years old. So that was, that was the, yeah, that was fiery. That was the highlight of the evening for me is that not only are these, you know, the players who are reaching out to the community, um, I think that, that the players can do a lot more. I'm not saying they're not doing enough or whatever, but I think the little things that these guys could do, go sign a basketball, go, go make an appearance at a boys and girls club, um, go shoot some baskets, autograph, whatever, for two or three. It don't have to be all day, and you ain't got to talk to Uncle Louie, and we talked about the Uncle Louie and, and, and Pookie and all that. I'm like, I don't know, you know – I know that there's some of these guys are worried about, you know, how it looks or I don't want to, you know, I got other stuff to do, but just those little time that you could 
touch a kid's life. You know what I'm saying? And you don't have to be there all day, but just a, a Saturday on an off day, go down to the, you know, whatever neighborhood, Roxbury, Mattapan, Lawrence, uh, you know, whatever neighborhood and make an impact on the community because there's a lot of kids that love the Celtics, the one that can't afford to go to games, would love to go to games and, and would tell for years how they met Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, they shook his hand, uh, you know, not just the ones in the first row at the, at the Celtic games. You know, I'm always a person that, you know, I, I ju- I, I'm hard on the Celtics about the T-shirt toss and people think I'm being funny, but, like you that. know, like you, you, you don't throw T-shirts. You only throw T-shirts to the ones in the first level who are probably make a little bit more money than those in the 300. Why not throw T-shirts? And they have machines, and I've seen another one that, yep. that go real high. So why not give the T-shirts to kids, to people who really want them, really use them, not the kid who's, I'm not saying, you know, he, every kid deserves something, but the kid who, the season ticket holder who gets, you know, everything or, or, or whatever and is, has a waiter coming to him, bringing him cheeseburgers. I mean, what about the kid who's his first Celtic game ever or first time seeing Jason and Jalen live? You know, like... I think that's and important. Their parents had to probably splurge to get that ticket. Yeah. Couldn't get chickens out of it. Reach yeah. those kids too, not just not just the ones the you know the season ticket holders and I'm and it's a, in a, that's our world. We live in a you know that's our that's our world. It's a haves and have nots, unfortunately. But I think that the team and that the athletes could do more to with the community. And Jalen is doing that, like reaching out, you know. Um, he had his little juice foundation thing at the, at the, at the waterfront a couple of weeks ago. Um, and these guys, I, I don't think they understand. And I think they do, but I don't think, I think it's got to like, it used to be, you know, when I was growing up in the Lakers, I grew up in LA where it was like Michael Cooper was at the mall and he signed an autograph. Like it was like, you could touch these guys. And then the community after that supported you. You know, people ask, well, why why does L.A. love Magic Johnson and not Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Because Magic, when he came to L.A., Magic reached out to the community. He became a man about the town. Uh, You know, whatever, white, black, green, Magic was L.A. Kareem never really embraced that. Kareem went right back up to the hills and chilled and played. And, you know, he didn't feel like he had to do that. Mm-hmm. People were like, well, why doesn't people like people like Kareem and they respect Kareem and I'm a Kareem guy, but Kareem never came down to the to where I was in, in to the mall and signed autographs or whatever and just made a kid's not day, but life, mm-hmm. you know, was shaking a hand or taking a picture or a selfie, you know, like I think I don't think I think once you get to you don't understand how important that is to young kids, well, you know. I think- I, I, Gary, I think part of it, Gary, is that what we're talking about, these athletes doing, you either do it because that's authentically who you are or you choose not to do it. And I, I think a lot of athletes choose not to do it because that's just not authentically where they're at right now. Should they be there? Absolutely. I think when you have the platform that a lot of these athletes have to do some of the most s- simple things that could be life changing, you mm-hmm. should do that. But if you're not at a point in your career, in your life where that matters to you, where it matters enough to where you're moved to do something along those lines, uh, you don't. I remember, you know, when I was in Detroit, me and Richard Hamilton had a conversation one day and he talked about being at a basketball camp uh, where he got a chance to meet an NBA player and how that meant the world to him. Because he's thinking that I'm 
someday I'm going to have a shot at doing this. And I appreciate this dude coming in my neighborhood in Coatesville, PA, and, and just, just engaging us. And now it's no surprise. He would have camps, you know, when he was in the league and, and he would be doing that, a lot of that stuff with kids as well. So I think a lot of it just comes down to what is authentically you and right. are you comfortable enough with who you are to let others see that part, that side of you. Jalen has been like this from the jump. I mean, this, this brother came into the league, you know, trying to set up things with, you know, Silicon Valley, uh, you know, things of that nature. And, and just really thinking the position that I'm not just an NBA player. I'm a businessman. I'm a CEO. I have other interests outside of my ability to knock down jump shots and dunk the ball. Mm-hmm. And Jalen has been very intentional about making sure you know that about it. You know, a few years ago when I was down at, this was right before the pandemic, uh, you know, rules set in, Jalen was working with his high school on a, on a curriculum, working with their curriculum. Bridge uh, program. Trying to implement still is working on. I'm going to tell you right now, the average NBA player ain't trying to Who got let alone go back to school, let alone help his school educate right. everybody. Uh, and, and so Jalen is very unique in that regard. And, and, you know, a lot of that just comes down to how he was brought up, uh, the things that he places a tremendous amount of value on. And more than anything else, just willing to put in that work. And we see that in a lot of the stuff that he does off the court, but we tend to focus more on what's happening on the court. And understandably so, that's that's why he has the platform in large parts because of what he does on the court. But, you know, Jalen, he's just one of them. He's just, he's a renaissance basketball player. Uh, his, his bandwidth of interest is much wider than most. And, you know, you got to respect that. You know, I mean, he, he, again, he's trying to be more than just a basketball player. And now, does that mean everything he touches will turn to gold and every decision he makes will be the right one off the court? No, he's going to make some mistakes. We mm-hmm. sometimes forget that Jalen is still a relatively young man. I think he, he just turned 26, what, last month or something like that? October, so he's, yeah. yeah. So he's still in October, yeah, October 4th or something like that. But he's he's figuring it out on what he needs to do. And he's going to make some, some missteps along the way. But the effort, the intent, the focus, and, and just the sincerity of what he's trying to accomplish I don't think you can really deny that that's that's real. I think it is noteworthy of the fact that a team whose fans booed you, let's be real about that part. When you got drafted, yeah. When you got drafted, you still found because when you think we talk about the NBA players in the sense of they there was this argument about whether or not players should be loyal to the cities that they're in, whether it's like being from an Atlanta area or Jason Tatum being from St. Louis, a lot of times that's where they go back to for their charity events. And that's understandable, but to become embedded in the place where you have your NBA career is also rare. And the fact that he was able to find out, you know, seek out Gene McGuire, the executive director of Mecca, which is a really big part of Boston's history. And very, she was a very influential person in this city, I think is very telling to your point of what he's done. But my favorite part about the gala was the fact that when I, I talked to Oladipo, who was there as well, um, Grant Williams, both of them said they had never been in the MFA. So I asked Jalen about it. And he said that the reason why he had the event in the MFA partly was because of the fact that a lot of people of color don't feel the need to ever step inside of a museum like that, whether it's the fact that our arts aren't displayed on the walls or the fact that we're not even represented 
in the arts of on the wall. And if you look at the room that they were in, it was the art of Europe room. So the fact that he used his platform to, I think, create a sense of belonging for people of color in those spaces, but also kind of send a message to the MFA in a respectful way of like, all right, we can put ourselves in these spaces, but as a result, you should at least make sure we're represented in the future as well. And one more point about Jean McGuire, Gary, I think you may remember this. At one point, they, she was honored during the gala and then she's in the corner of the room right next to a painting that's actually entitled Boar's Hunt. And in the painting, there's a boar and like cats, rack, like squirrels, like a bunch of different animals. So she, she's talking, accepting the, the fact that she's being honored. And at the end, she says, I wanna see more African-American art in this museum. She points at the image and she's like, this is the most integrated image in the room right now. Everyone starts like chuckling or whatever, but it's like that awkward chuckle when you're like, dang, she's right. Mm -hmm. And then she just basically calls on the MFA to make sure that there is more representation overall. So I think in addition to raising money for the Jews Foundation, it's very powerful to have an event there because of the hopefully social change that can come from it, which is literally the guy's motto. So very well done, well executed event. Yeah, yeah. Where were you? Yeah, where were you? Great. Educating the next generation, but other than that, that wasn't that important. Yeah, don't do that. Same thing, right? All right, we can talk about his on the court performance now, though. He has been pretty clutch for the Celtics at this point. What do you make of the fact that I think people are starting to recognize the Celtics as a good team right now? But do you think they're starting to recognize? Jalen Brown apart from Jason Tatum because there's always been the conversation of one J versus the other when it really should just be the which we've talked about the coexistence of those two on this team. Yeah, I I think you got a situation now where you know we talk about Jason Tatum as a league MVP candidate and it's just kind of a no brainer at this point. And I think you got to start looking at Jalen Brown as an All NBA player and and it'd it be a I don't even think it's really that hard of a conversation or discussion. When you look at, he's doing all the things you're supposed to do. Impact score, improving your game overall, team winning, coming through in a clutch, uh, and finding ways to impact winning in, diff in, in not necessarily being locked into just being a points getter. Uh, his rebounding is much better. His passing is much better. Uh, and lately, his defense is like, really good. I think the last two or three games it may have been the best stretch he's had defensively all season. And it, the, the issue was never whether he could do it. It's just whether he could put that together along with having an impactful game as a scorer and rebounder. And so J right now, Jalen Brown is an all NBA player. I, I don't think that there's a whole lot of debate about that. When you look at the things that he does, you look at the numbers that he's putting up and you look at Frank, I mean, think about that Brooklyn game. Dude dropped 20 points in the first quarter. How did, I mean, th that's, Think about 20 points. Some guys are happy, giddy as, as, as all get out. If they can drop 20 in a game, he gets that in the first 12 minutes. And when he did it, you didn't feel like he was forcing shots. He was literally taking what the defense gave him and snatching what they wouldn't. And that, to me, is why he's starting to – he's creating his own legacy, his own lane of, of how he's being viewed. And it's good to see because, you know, he was one of the guys that resisted as much as, as anyone that whole, you know, can Jason and Jay play together? Do we need to split them up? And, you know, low key, I mean, if we're keeping it really 100, having a chance to, to, to play against Kevin Durant for the first time since all those KD for, for Jalen rumors, come on. 
You know, don't don't act like that. That wasn't motivated. Prime time television, baby. Because look, that, <laughs> that, that was exactly that was one of them games where I get not only do I get to a shot at busting the dude that they that some folks thought they should have traded me for, but I get the I get to put Kyrie in his place, and I love Kyrie. That's my brother, but sometimes you got to put your brother in his place, and he did that repeatedly. And when he didn't do it, he had his he had his homie Peyton Pritchard give him Kyrie the business. <laughs> and that's the sentence I thought I would never, ever, 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 ever say in life. <laughs> but as a witness to the game, I can say it confidently. You can attest. Yeah, I think Jalen is just, is having an outstanding season. He's taking that next step, um, you know, and, he, and he's playing good ball. Just playing good ball, comfortable, worked, worked. You could just see the work he's put on his game. Is is uh, and, and and to me, he's shooting fifty percent from the field. You know, and that's mostly two point shots. He's show he, one. He's learned how to shoot well from the mid range. Two, he's learned how to finish better. Um, those are the two key, key components. And like Sherrod said, he's playing strong defense. He's you know, here was an example. Last night at Toronto, uh, he does a beautiful, beautiful move. Goes up. Scotty Barnes oops, blocks that. Blocks it. Jalen doesn't sulk. He runs down the floor. Uh, I think causes a loose ball. I think it was, I don't know if it was with Barnes or with like Gary Trent Jr. I think it was Gary Trent Jr. Knocked a, a, low, a loose ball and, you know, knocked it out of bounds. So instead of sulking about, man, I got my shot blocked. Oh, this is, I'm embarrassed. Oh, whatever. He got down the floor and got a deflection and like got it, you know, and, and caused and, and um, stopped them stop Toronto from like a break or just having, I think it was like, they might've had the advantage on the break. Yeah. And instead of, yeah. Like that was to me, that said a lot about Jalen. Like what everybody gets blocked. Right. It's the league. And secondly, you can't lament missing shots or getting blocked, get your ass back on defense and make a play. And that's exactly what he did. Cause I remember like looking at the game and I thought it was Marcus who did it. Cause that's Marcus. That's a typical Marcus dive on the floor, you know, Russell and all that, right? Then I looked. It was Jalen that got up. I was like, "Oh, wow!" Jalen was the one that made that play. I swore it was Marcus, because that's a Marcus play. Dived on the floor, and I think he like had a then like the ball like rolled out of bounds off him or whatever. And it was like, "Wow, that's like that's huge." for him to get back on D. And I think now he's comfortable with his own skin in terms of like, he knows his place on the team. He knows his place in the league and he knows, Hey, I'm a good ball player. I don't have to prove it. I'm not saying he doesn't have anything to prove, but he doesn't have to prove. Well, can he live up to the, being a third pick? Can he be as almost as not as good as Jason? Like, I think he's answering those questions. And I think that they're getting along great in terms of their symmetry on the floor so for me, I think that that it's been a um, just a wonderful kind of step forward for him. And I think ones that fans were expecting after, you know, the turnovers last year, some of the missed free throws, things like that, that were obviously glitches, glitches in his game. Like this year, he's shooting 83% from the line. Last year, 76. So, I mean, that's a, the, a huge jump. Yeah. Uh, uh, darn near eight percent jump in his free throw shooting, and he's getting more free throws a game. So the the, the numbers show 
He's worked on his game. One more rebound per game than last season. He played a few more minutes too, though too. He's playing, you know, Joe Mazzula, uh in Joe Mazzula's system, you play minutes. So he's playing two more minutes, but he's averaging more rebounds, a, a tad bit more assists, better free throw percentage, about the same three-point percentage, and more better uh, two-point percentage. So I think he's worked on it, and there's still things he can work on, but I think for Celtic fans, got to be heartening to see him take that next step. Is that, that's exactly what they need. Especially at a time like this. Before we move on to the mastermind behind this successful season, let's talk about your business. No one has a business like yours with all its strengths and challenges. To succeed, you need a hiring partner that adapts to your needs. You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for the candidate with the right skill set, Indeed's powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. You can find great talent faster through time-saving tools like their Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers say that they get quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a job. When you post and sponsor a job on Indeed, you're actually three times more likely to get a hire. And with Indeed, you can actually select the skills that matter most to you, add from a selection of over 100 Indeed assessment tests to that job post, and it'll help you hone in on the candidate with the right skills faster. Even better, Indeed's the only job site where you can pay for the applications that meet the requirement that you are looking for. So you can start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash A-list. You can claim that $75 credit right now on Indeed.com slash A-list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And you know where I'm going with this. A great hire for the Celtics, of course, or promotion at least, was for that of Joe Missoula. <laughs> Indeed he was. I just, there we go. I like it. But in, Missoula did say that the Time Lord is pretty close to returning. What will be our expectations from Mr. Robert Williams III? Stay healthy. I, I don't care whether you play 20 minutes and you got a big fat bunch of eggs across the stat line. Stay healthy. He, they're not going to need him until they get to the playoffs. And when I say need, I mean, they're not going to need him to have a significant impact or presence until they get to the postseason because they've already figured out how to do this damn regular season thing without him. Uh, So to me, the regular season, and to some degree, it's a tune-up for everyone, but it really is a tune-up for Robert because of the number of games he's already missed and the fact that they have figured out ways to be successful without him and the games, the, the way this team is built right now, the course that this team is on the path of right now is all about a championship. And Robert Williams III, he enhances your likelihood of winning a championship. And that enhancement comes to full fruition once you get to the playoffs. But I, they need him back so that he can get comfortable, so he can figure out what his role will be and things of that nature. Because again, Robert Williams, I, I do believe at this point, his return will significantly impact Boston's chances of winning a title. I think right now, without him, I'd say that they're they're the odds on favor. With him, I think they're the undeniable favor. I don't I don't think it's really that. I don't think there's a close number two 
to them if they got a healthy Robert Woods based on how they played, based on how guys at every single level are contributing. And, and last but certainly not least, based on the way that that defense is starting to look a lot like last year's defense in terms of impacting the games. When you're blowing teams out because they can't stop you from scoring and you're putting the clamps on them at the other end of the floor, you're going to be putting up a C note in, by three quarters while the other team might be might be chugging close to seven. Struggling. They're I mean they're and and again Robert Williams he's a big part of in of just advancing that the style of play and the success that this team is having right now. Yeah, I think Mike Schwartz said just keep him healthy, bring him back slowly. Don't have, you know, he and they'll do that. They'll they'll be cautious about it. Make sure he gets his, you know, gets back in basketball shape, makes an impact, plays his 20, 23 minutes a game. Um, and just gonna say keep him under bubble wrap, keep him healthy, keep him ready, ready for, for April, because that's the key. You want him healthy in April. You don't need him healthy, you know, right now and then him getting hurt. And obviously, this is a guy who's had a series of injuries over the years. So the question is, do you expect that he's gonna get hurt again? I'm not talking about a major injury. But do you think he's going to have an ankle or a hip or something like that? You probably do, right? You probably expect, okay, we're probably going to he's something's going to come up, knee soreness, um, ankle, something. You know, you're going to have to expect that. You know, Robert is not a 75 game per year guy. He just isn't. And will he ever be? I don't know. But early in his career, he has not shown that type of durability. And, but he has shown that type of effectiveness when on the floor. So you want to make sure he's on the floor. You want to bring him back slowly, maybe at 10 minutes here or five minute intervals, five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half, and then 15 and then maybe 20. And now you have other guys who can play. You have Al Horford who can get it done. You have Blake Griffin who's gotten it done. Even Luke Cornett's gotten it done. So you don't need to put Robert out there for you no know, 36 minutes in a game or whatever. Just keep him and make sure he tells, communicates to the training staff, hey, I'm feeling good. Hey, I'm a little sore. You know, you're just going to have to, that's how you're going to have to treat him because you know, somehow, unfortunately for him, you know, unfortunate things tend to happen to him injury-wise. He's had some real strange injuries, like hip edema, things like that, that, you know, it's just to the point where you have to realize that that's who he is. Um, and I think the Celtics' most important responsibility is to keep him ready, make sure he's ready for April. Make sure he's ready for the Bucks, for the Raptors, for the Heat, whoever they play in the playoffs. All right, let's quickly play pick and roll because we have to play a game on every, well, not every episode. We have been missing some, but that's neither here nor there. Pick and roll, pick a player. Why are you rolling with them? Blank isn't getting nearly enough credit for his role in Boston's fast start. Who already doesn't have to be a player, could be a coach. Could be an executive, could be a president. It could be Kwani. It could be me. It's not though. Uh, Um, I'm gonna go with with Gary's favorite player, Derek White. He's not getting (laughs) enough credit for his role in his start. Because again, he is a guy that his ability to knock down shots, it it allows them to keep him on the floor and not consider playing the whole offense defense game. Uh, His ability to knock down open shots uh, is hugely effective in them being able to do a lot of what they want to do offensively. And because of his length, because of his defensive acumen, he gives them another guy that when teams are looking to switch, there's not going to be this significant drop-off in terms of 
the opponent having advantage over who they're switching out onto. Uh, well, I, I, again, I look back at the Brooklyn game where you had moments where you had Kevin Durant, you know, being guarded by Jason Tatum, and then he winds up being guarded by Jalen Brown, and then it's Derek White, and then it's Al Horford. And it's like Kevin Durant is a is a great scorer and can score on all of those guys. But there isn't this significant drop off when he gets switched out on one from another. There is a, a change, but it's not significant to where you know that Kevin Durant is about to get a bucket because this guy can't guard him at all. And that's the benefit of having a Derek White out there who not only can defend, but you can't slack off him defensively like we saw teams do last season. You have to respect his shot. Otherwise, he's going to make you pay. And the minute you start respecting his shot and giving him the attention that he deserves, that's going to mean you're not giving Jason Tatum as much attention. You're not giving Jalen Brown as much attention. And that's why so many times we're seeing now they're able to get to the cup and finish because teams are not able to slouch off other guys as much as they could before. And Derek White, to me, is the best example of why that is maybe the biggest difference between this year's team and last year's team. Having more guys who can knock on open shots, something that Derek White has done much more a much better job of this year than he did last year. I'm going to say Grant Williams. I'm going to say uh, just a guy who his price has gone up. The Celtics should have signed him. Oh, yesterday's him. price is not, not today's, today's price. price. Yes. It, it, <laughs> it is what it is. And, um, you know, he just continues to make plays. He's really worked on his three-point shot. He's in, 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 in addition to that, He's really worked on faking at the three and driving to the basket and may, being a threat at the rim. Yeah. I think that's an element of his game that I don't think the Celtics expected, anyone expected. Yeah. And people were like, well, okay, well, if he learns how to shoot the three, he can be a three and D guy. But he's now gotten teams after that Milwaukee game in the playoffs last year where teams are going to come out on him and respect his three. And then, um, then he'll just say, okay, I'll pump fake. Drive to the basket, lay it in. That's Even another element. Toronto triple teamed him. And I'm like, for a second, I was like, why are y'all doing this much for Grant? It was towards the end of the game. But to your point, I, I think they really see him as a, a threat now, which is. Yeah. So I t- to me, he has been the unsung hero of this team. He has stepped his game up, brought his game to another level, and the price has gone up. I mean, and and, and we haven't talked about the Al Horford contract extension. Um, oh, yeah. We have not. No, two. He'll be here another two years, and I think that was probably more geared toward carving out a salary slot for Grant. Because now Horford makes twenty six this year, but that goes down to ten next year. So that's not. Oh, now they get Grant sixteen million. They're going to have to maneuver some things and figure some things out. But I do think that makes a slot that they can create for Grant in terms of maybe bringing him back. Now, Grant might have said, well, I would have taken 16 in October, but now my price is 20. Mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm, a four, I'm a four and 80 guy. You know, he might think that. So we'll have to see what kind of uh, language Grant's talking about next year, next summer, when he's a restricted free agent and other teams are going to see him and say, hey, you want to, you, you know, you, you ain't got to black back up Jason and Jalen. You can be one of the top two or three guys in this team. So you never know. Um, the Celtics might have backed themselves into a corner by not resigning him. And Grant's going to force the issue because Grant, as much as he's talkative and works the rest probably a little too much, but he is a good ball player and he's turned himself into a very good ball player. Uh, 
after, you know, some ups and downs in his first couple of years, I think he has been the unsung hero. That's a good pick, Gary. I, I could rock with that. Um, it, it gets me to thinking about a team like Charlotte that's got a whole lot of need a, need a little bit of everything. Uh, and I wonder, would he be open to going home uh, and playing for his hometown team? Um, because they're obviously they're going to they're going to be looking to do a lot of things this summer because they, they're just trash. If we're being honest and real, um, they got problems. But uh, I think Grant, ultimately, I think his, his decision is going to come down to, am I going to take the bigger payday or am I going to take a chance to stay with a really good team? Uh, and basically, you know, be a major role player for a year or two and probably start in, in, in another couple of years in, in place of Al. Because, I mean, he really is the guy that you can see is the, you know, he, he's going to be the, the successor of, of Al. You know that. Um, when you, he's going to, a lot's going to just depend on where Grant's at at the time where he got to put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you cool with being like maybe the third or fourth option on a team that's competing for a title? Or do you want to roll the dice and have a prominent role on a, on a team that's probably not as good as the one you're on now? And you might be catching L's and L's and L's like my man Terry Rozier. Because T. Rose, that's my dude. He got and the I'm, money. And I'm that's happy bad. that he got I'm happy that he got multiple backs, which mm-hmm. is important. Yeah. But damn, the losses. Woo. Mm, mm, mm. Lots of lots of losses that he's taken. But I tell you who is not going to be taking losses. I knew you were about to do that. So I tell you who's not going to be taking losses. My people, my people, my people who are going to be rocking with rocket money. Yes, indeed. Are you wasting money on subscriptions? 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe for you, it's an unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that never gets streamed. Been there, done that. It's not a good feeling when you realize that you've been basically, you've been literally throwing money out the window and not realize. The richest man in the world. What's that? No, just to the richest man in the world at that. Then there's that. Yes. There's this great app that that I use that helps me track all of my expenses. And because of it, I no longer waste money on subscriptions. I don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. Do you know how much your subscriptions really cost? And this was for me, this was like the the just kind of the, the, the come to Jesus moment when I'm looking at and it breaks down like what I'm paying. I'm like, damn. Why am I? I'm paying how much? Rocket Money is it, it, it? I mean, it does a great job of bringing all those things to light and helping you figure out what you want to keep and what you need to get rid of. Uh, I no longer waste money on subscriptions. I don't even use, uh, and and that's a big thing, particularly at this time of year where you're you're going to be spending a little bit money on the holiday season. Like Gary's going to be spending for me and Quinny's Christmas gifts, and you want to save some money. You want to have a little extra spending money, and Rocket Money can certainly get you there. Uh, you could be wasting hundreds of dollars each month on subscriptions you don't even know exist. There's this app that I love, again, that's using that takes care of that for me. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows you all your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't still want. Awesome. Rocket Money can even find a subscription you didn't even know you're paying for. You may even find out you've been double charged for a subscription. That hasn't happened to me, but there was a couple of subscriptions that, I, that looked a little sketchy and it turned out, yeah, I was being double billed. So yeah. Rocket Money saving you money and then, and then some. To cancel a subscription, this is really, 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 really easy. All you have to do is press cancel, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So get rid of those useless subscriptions with Rocket Money right now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Seriously, it could save you hundreds of dollars. That's rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Cancel 
your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash A-list. Back to the Kwani Lunas production. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, co-tri-host. So the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> Gary, <laughs> go get your back. girl, Gary. Call back. <laughs> All right. So the Indiana Pacers, uh, surprise team thus far, 13-11, fifth in the East. What do you make of them? I'm going to go take this one, Gary. Yeah, you take that one. I <laughs> love what I'm seeing out of the Pacers. Um, anyone who's been around me for the last X number of years knows how I feel about Rick Carlisle as a coach. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. That man can, he, he, look, I've seen him pull some incredibly amazing success stories out of teams that were just trash. Uh, he won 50 games with a Detroit Pistons team that had no business winning 15, let alone 50. Uh, and so he's that good. He's he's at his best when I think his teams are not giving much of a shot of being anything. And he, again, he's he's finding ways to win games. He's got those guys competing. They play hard. They play smart. And when the game is tight, he finds a way to get them over the finish line and get that win. Uh, they're going to be a tough team throughout the regular season. But come playoff time, when you get the lock in, they won't they won't be around very long. But they're but again. That wasn't that wasn't the point. That wasn't the point of this season for them. This was a growing season, and for them to have a competitive regular season, that's going to bode well for them going down the road. Yeah, I think the Pacers are just like Sherrod said, playing hard. A lot of good young guys, you know, Neemhard, Benedict Mathurin, um, and then kind of the center of the of the crew is Tyrese Halliburton, who obviously uh, came over from Sacramento last year, but he healed. Miles Turner. Um, you know, they just have a bunch of young guys. I mean, our friend Aaron Neesmith uh, has gotten some minutes for them. Um, they just they just play hard and they scrappy and they don't have a bunch of big names. You know, Jackson, the kid from Kentucky, the the, the center, uh, you know, is, is, is played well. Isaiah Jackson, like they, they have guys that you just you are not household names, you know, or not guys you're just like, oh, I saw him in college, but just they have drafted well, obviously, uh, and they made the Halliburton trade. And I said they were able to get they were able to get Neesmith and give get under from Brogdon's salary um, because they were not at the place where they were they wanted a veteran point guard and a bunch with a bunch of youngsters. But they, you know, the East is wide open and they have played well. They won at Golden State the other high night. Neemhard, the kid who won the, hit the game winner, because it seems like they've been out west for like a month. But the kid who hit the game winner at the Lakers had 31 last night, career high 31 against the Warriors. I mean, so this is a team you got to look out for now. I think that people thought they were going to completely tank. Um, but you saw kind of an excitement that Carlisle had with like, you know what, let's rebuild. Let's let's get some of these guys out of here. You know, the Brogdons, the guys who, you know, for, from the previous administration when, when Indiana was kind of trying to push, you know, uh, post Paul George trying to push for that next level and they never quite made it. There was a lot of problems and injuries and coaching changes. We said, you know what, let's start fresh. Let's get a bunch of young guys in here. Halliburton would be the central uh, figure. You still got Miles Turner still there, even though he's been traded 17 times, uh, you know, on paper and on the internet and the same with Buddy Heald. And I think they like playing with each other. And those are the teams. If you look at like them, Oklahoma City, teams that is young. That's what the league is about. That's what the league is about these days. It's not necessarily the big names. It's can you play together? 
Can you have that chemistry and, and good coaching? Moving along around the NBA, Kyrie Irving is no longer a Nike athlete. And I saw he actually replied to one of the reports and he was basically seemed a little ecstatic about it. So what do you think he does next shoe wise? Because his, the Kyrie shoe has been a very popular shoe amongst the youth. <laughs> Am I, would, would I be the only one not shocked if he winds up being the next athlete on Ye's group? Would that surprise anyone? It wouldn't, but Ye's still trying to figure out what he's doing because he hasn't had any support with, you yeah, know. Yeah, but you, you think, do you think, do you think that would be a deterrent for Kyrie? You think that would be a deterrent for Kyrie? Oh, no, no. I could easily see them going independent and just making something from scratch, making their own brand, which I wouldn't put past either of them. They have the I, money to do so. I thought Kyrie alluded to that a little bit about you know, when he story. talked about his, his supporters and and. He said, yeah, show out, essentially. Like, yeah, it seemed like house. he was trying to low-key say, maybe we need to galvanize our, our resources mm -hmm. and let's do our own damn thing, which mm -hmm. I think would, that would be interesting. That would be very interesting. I did also see the sneakers are 50% off on some sites. So does that mean oh, he's... For real? Hold on yeah, a second. Let he, me go. Let me, go let me just make sure. Does he... Um, <laughs> not him looking at it right now. But does that mean he would still get a cut if that's the case from Nike? Does, is that part of the contract? In the language of his contract. Like okay. I think once it's terminated, there, there may be a period of time where if any sales or proceeds uh, garnered by X date, then you get whatever percent. Or it could just be once the contract is terminated, that's it. You're we you get nothing. Um, I don't I don't know the specifics or the particulars of his contract along those lines. Yeah, but they are 50. I don't know if this is good that I'm saying this, but they are every sneaker is 50% off. And I am very so curious to see what the Nike numbers site? are. Yeah, any Kyrie sneaker on the Nike site right now is 50% off, which I don't really like the way these look. But I, I mean, a lot of people love his shoe. So I'm just curious as to what's next. <laughs> sure, I'm about to buy, Gary it's about to buy you some for Christmas. Yo. $64 for $80 pair of sneakers isn't bad. I feel really bad. Oh, they got the sustainable material. See, I done created a rabbit hole. All right. Next in the league. As All right. What you saying, Kwani? <laughs> exactly. Christmas presents. Is Anthony Davis, do you two think he's a sleeper MVP candidate? Eight and two in the last 10 games for the Lakers. 35 points. Three points per game in that span. I don't know. Do you think he looks good? Do we care about L.A.? <laughs> well, let's just talk to LA's finest, Gary Washburn. What's, what's up with your boy? Man of the people. <laughs> um, I, I think he's playing some of the best ball of his career at this point. 55 points against the Wizards. Um, he has been a man among boys in the paint. And I think that he's changed yeah. his game. Stop taking threes, stop taking the mid-rangers, get in the paint, do that dirty work, play hard. The numbers will prove itself. And, you know, he's still relatively young. He's only 29 years old. So he's still got time to kind of turn around. I know the reputation that he's well earned is, you know, being always hurt and street clothes. And does he really want to be great? You know, does he really want to be one of the best of all time? Or is he good winning that the, the championship in the bubble and kind of just being, you know, a guy, you know, LeBron's kind of not sidekick, but but his, his, his teammate and, and is that good enough for him? 
you know, it's it's time. I think people have been waiting for Anthony Davis to take his game to the next level, to be consistent and be dominant, and that's what he's done. So it's been fun to watch him play without, you know, getting hurt and, and just – and the Lakers, you know what? They're not a championship-caliber team, but they're starting to get it together under Sherrod's buddy Darvin Ham. Um, I think they're going to be well-coached. I think they're going to make some changes and all that. But, you know, you don't want to see the Lakers four and maybe Celtics fans do four and 20 or whatever. But I think they have too much talent for that. It's good to see Russell Westbrook fill into a role off the bench and just play and just like, listen, man, I'm just, you know, because it's getting to the point where Russ is like, listen, Russ, Russ, you got to do what you got to do to stay in the league now, man. Like, you know, everyone's watching how you react to certain roles. And if you pout about coming off the bench, your your chances of signing, you know, ain't nobody going to sign you to no max deal being their starting point guard anymore. Like you're 34, you're become more erratic. Those days are over. So your best bet is to be that, you know, utility guy, uh, you know, Swiss army knife type of guy who can do a little bit of everything, keeps the game within, don't, don't do too much, you know, and be that, be that guy who can, who can, last a few more years in the league. So I think he understands that. But I think Davis, yeah, he's 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 making he's emerging as an MVP candidate. Now, you know, if the Lakers win, you know, 38 games, it might not he ain't win no MVP. But if they win 48 games or 50 games, which you know, they'd have to make a real run to do that, then I think he would be really up for it. True. There we go. Well they're looking forward to where you are right now, Gary. The Celtics are playing in Phoenix on Wednesday, Golden State on Saturday. What are your expectations for this West Coast trip? If any. Win, Just baby, win. Get that <laughs> dub. Over the dubs. That's what you That's what you want. Uh, the Golden State game is, is one I'm, I'm looking forward to. Just to really see where the Celtics are when it comes to playing a team that's not just a good team, but they're, they're the ones that sent you, that ended your season. Um, are you going to play tight and, and and put too much pressure on yourself to win that game? Or are you going to do what you've been doing all regular season? Uh, and Golden State, this I think is for them is an opportunity to remind people that they are the defending champs uh, because most of the season has been about the Celtics ascension uh, with Joe Mazzulla leading the way, Jason Tatum league MVP, you know, Marcus Smart doing Marcus Smart things. Malcolm Brogdon low-key giving a major juice off the bench. All these different storylines about the Celtics and what they're doing and how awesome they are. And and Golden State's, you know, they've been just kind of like treading water, basically. Uh, and so this is an opportunity for, and it's in their building. So this is a great opportunity for them to almost kind of reset the conversation a little bit and make sure that people are reminded that they're kind of nice too. And they kind of win a lot of games too. And, and they know that while this game isn't going to like, you know, it's, it's not going to be the be all and end all to your season. It's an important game. Uh, it is an important game from a confidence standpoint. It's an important game from your fan base's standpoint. And it's an important game. If you're the Boston Celtics to continue to do what you've been doing all season long, and that is taking on each and every challenge, finding a way to win and leaving your imprint on the game as, as, as the team that everyone is still trying to chase. And this is another opportunity to keep that mojo going. He agrees. Well, that's a wrap on the A-List podcast, of course. Make sure oh, you... Yeah, I agree. I mean... <laughs> I... 
You know, yeah. I mean, Sherrod went on a soliloquy there. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a woman queen. Is that your word today? Soliloquy. Reverend Sherrod showed up. Um, so I, I think that we should you got, four, often. You got four games left, four competitive, tricky, very tricky games. Um, you know, you'd like to go, if you're the Celtics, go three and one. Um, get that Warrior game is kind of a sending a message, but the Phoenix game will be tricky. Um, they're playing up and down. They got blown out by Dallas the other night. Uh, but they can take easily take all four. You know, they're capable of that. And I think they're motivated to do that. But I think it, I think if they come back three and one in the next four, because now, as as they say, in the, uh, you, you done won the first two games of the trip, so now you got to get greedy. You maybe you, they may have thought, okay, let's go four and two. And now you don't won the first two, so okay, now let's go five and one, or you know, let's get let's try to win three out of the next four. And let's, you know, I think they'd be disappointed if they split the next four. So I think if they, I think three and one, and maybe that, you know, game off a of back to back in L.A. against the Lakers might be a little bit difficult. Maybe you know, Devin Booker goes for 50 tomorrow at Phoenix and that, you know, Phoenix has given them trouble over the years or, you know, obviously Curry and Thompson and those guys will be fired up. So it's going to be good, good quality games, good basketball. But I think if the Celtics go three and one, they'd be very happy, but I think the guys had to go four and oh. And speaking of West coast and entertainment news, the people magazine is reporting that Nia Long and Emi Adoka have broken up after 13 years together following the NBA coach's alleged affair. You don't have to comment, but I just felt like it was noteworthy because it does affect, it used to affect the Celtics. Yeah. 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 You, you hate, you hate to see any of that kind of stuff, you know, dissolve the way it has, but you know, um, Nia got to do his best for Nia. I mean, I, I mean, and, and her kids in which I, I think that's, you know, that certainly is a factor in all this. So, and Ime, he's got to figure out a way to move on and move forward and just, you know, recalibrate his career and his life, whether that's coaching or doing something else. So um, you hate to see it, but it's, it's not a surprise or, or, right. or a shock or anything like that. Well said, yeah. Sean. Yeah, I agree. You agree? There you go. Well, that's a wrap on the Gary Silver crew. That's all we wanted in life. <laughs> that's all you needed. It took the whole podcast episode, but we got there. <laughs> this is the A-List podcast. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, betonline.ag, indeed.com, and of course, Rocket Money. Make sure you check out all of those links, especially if you want to save money in different areas of your life. Really? For Blakely and Gary Washburn, I'm Kwani Lunas, and thank you for listening to the A-List podcast. Oh,